Well, good morning and welcome. Nice to see you all here today. Glad you joined us for worship on this uh, rainy Sunday morning. Thanks for making it out and braving the, uh, the wind there. Some of you, uh, I'm not sure, it looked like there were some power outages around Cairo, so uh, that might explain why some are not here this morning, but uh, thanks for all who are, are here today, able to be here. Uh, a couple things, if uh, you're visiting with us today, there's a card that looks like this uh, out on the Welcome Center. It's a Connect card there. We'd love for you to fill that out and let us know of your attendance uh, with us today, as well as anything we could pray for you about today. Uh, you can fill that out on, on this card. And there is a box in the back, uh, the offering box, which that is on the Welcome Center, if you had missed that. Uh, you can put the uh, Connect cards in that as well. Also, this week, starting this week, we have our primary ballot available uh, to begin making nominations. This is for members, church members, to fill out the primary ballot. Uh, you can see the names on the, uh, the other sheet there. There's a bit of a roster of our, our members that are available to, to uh, nominate. And uh, the ballot is listed out with blanks for you to fill out. Under the trustee, we're asking for you to fill out three uh, names. Uh, one of our trustees has, has sadly moved away and uh, will no longer be able to be uh, fill, fulfilling his term. That'd be Caleb Hill. So this, uh, this coming January, we're going to need to fill his, his spot, uh, additionally um, to the two other normal spots that we fill. So we're asking for you to nominate three there uh, this year. The other ones are self-explanatory. Under each heading, there's just a, a short uh, little statement about their primary responsibilities. If you wonder what, what does the, um, I'm not sure, what does the uh, communion committee do or the hospitality committee, what does that mean? There's just a very short description there. There's a fuller description in our, uh, in our constitution, but uh, this will be sufficient for just to give you an idea uh, on that. Uh, a couple other things uh, as far as announcements. This month is our harvest offering in the month of November. Uh, we are seeking to uh, fund two different projects or help fund two different projects uh, for two of our missionaries. One is one of our church planters uh, who works in church planting in Brazil, uh, Tim Blazer. Uh, the church plant he's working with is trying to buy land, and we'd like to help them um, build, uh, raise the funds for that. The other is our missionaries, the Postumas in Romania, who are uh, continuing to develop their, their camp uh, facility or their, their property. Uh, they've bought the property. They're developing the property. The next step is to build a building. And uh, that's the next thing. And we'd like to be involved in that. Uh, they have another project after that as well, but we'd like to try to uh, be involved uh, again if we can. Uh, additional things uh, to consider as far as uh, sharing and giving. Debbie Erbacher is headed to Africa in January, Lord willing, as she is raising support for that. If you would like to support her, you can do that through the offering by just writing on the, the envelope under the designated line, Debbie Erbacher, uh, and that will get to uh, the right place. Also, for those interested in Operation Christmas Child, the, the Christmas boxes with uh, Samaritan's Purse, uh, we're not doing it quite the same way we did it last year. We're just uh, receiving the boxes. So you can fill your own box and then bring it here if you'd like to, and we can make sure it gets to the right place, or you can, on your own, uh, deliver that box to the, uh, where they are gathering all the boxes in the community, and that is at the Nazarene Church in, in Cairo. Uh, if you need to know the times of that, we can communicate that. That was in the Friday email of when, uh, when they'll be available to receive those boxes.
Well, a few things for us to pray about as we get started here. Uh, last week we told you about uh, Barb Green, or two weeks ago maybe. Uh, she has uh, made kind of steady decline over the past uh, week primarily and has had some good days and, and then had some bad days. Um, she is at home. Uh, she'll remain at home. Uh, if they were to put her into hospice, no one would be able to visit her. So they're going to keep her at home uh, until, I guess, until, well, they're going to keep her at home. And so uh, we'll just pray for God's timing on that and pray for the family uh, during this time. Um, also, we just found out last night, Joanne Wagner had returned home uh, from rehab on Thursday. And then last night she had another uh, possible stroke. The, the last time they thought it was a stroke and it wasn't. So not sure if it's actually a stroke, uh, but she is going back obviously to the hospital and she has also tested positive for COVID. So, uh, Tough, tough road for, for Joanne. It's been a long road for Joanne. Uh, she is, uh, uh, she's, a, she's a fighter, so we'll see what the Lord does here. And we'll just pray for her and, and Ron and Teresa and the rest of the family during this time. So would you stand with me as we begin our time in prayer, asking God's blessing on our, on our time and uh, for these individuals, help for these individuals. Father, we do pray this morning uh, knowing that you hear our prayer, knowing that you're a God who is good, you're a God who cares about your children, uh, you're a God who is uh, the great physician, a God who can heal, uh, a God who can save, a God who can do uh, whatever you so choose to do. And so, God, we come uh, with confidence this morning as we enter into um, this time of prayer, this time of worship in I want to express our faith and our confidence in you that even in, in a time when there's lots of questions and lots of uncertainty, when there are friends and family who are sick, God, uh, none, of this, none of this catches you by surprise. None of this changes who you are. And in fact, God, these are the times where uh, we lean in even a little more as we recognize our own weakness and our own need. And so, Father... Um, you, you know those in need today. God, we mentioned a couple names, Barb Green and Joanne Wagner, but Father, there are others, Kim Landreth and Roxy Solva, uh, that are dealing with uh, their own physical difficulties. Uh, their names on our, our list as well. Some even here in this room have, have other, other areas of, of uh, request and, uh, and of need. And so God, we're asking for your hand and your will to be done in these things. God, we pray for our missionaries today who are serving around the world. We're thankful for their commitment to you. We pray your help for them during this time, the difficulty that uh, this crisis and the response to the crisis has uh, created for them. We pray that you would give them wisdom and, and help during this time. We pray for our time this morning of worship. We pray that you would be glorified as we worship together in the scriptures and through song. And we'll give you the thanks for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Jonah chapter 3. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, that's page number 775. 775. We have made it through the first two chapters of Jonah. And if you're familiar with the story of Jonah, that's kind of like round one of the story. We saw God call Jonah. We could, we could understand this to be the commissioning of God. We saw Jonah 
responding to God by disobeying and fleeing or seeking to flee the presence of God. We recognize the consequences of sin in Jonah's life as the storm came into his life. In chapter 2, we noted this prayer that Jonah prayed, recognizing God, recognizing God's sovereignty. And at the end of chapter 2, we saw how God delivered Jonah. We have seen how God's power has been on display in the life of Jonah and how God has been merciful to Jonah. As we come into chapters three and four, this is basically round two, if you will. We could break this book into two, two sections. Uh, the first one we just said, and now chapters three and four, round two, we, we again see that God calls to Jonah. And we see this as a recommissioning of Jonah. This time, Jonah's response is to obey. We see him interacting with the, the Ninevites as he shares the message that God has told them, and these people repent, and we see that God withholds his wrath. And then in chapter 4, uh, we see this strange response from Jonah of complaint. But in these two chapters, chapters 3 and 4, we again see God's mercy towards Jonah, but also towards the Ninevites. So as God had been with Jonah in chapters 1 and 2, we continue to see that God is with Jonah in chapters 3 and 4, which is a promise for us as well, right? That God is with us, that he is for us, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Those are good truths for us to remember even when storms come, even when difficulty arises. So chapter two, chapter three, excuse me, round two opens in a similar fashion as round one. Look at it in chapter three, verse one. Then the Lord, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it uh, the message that I tell you. So after Jonah had utterly failed in chapter 1, uh, God gives him another chance. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And what we find out about God is he is the God of second chances, isn't he? He's not only the God of second chances, he's the God of third chances, and fourth chances, and fifth chances. And some of us know that very, very well. Satan would love for us to believe that our past sin is what defines us today. It is not. The failures of our past do not mean that we have no hope for a future. As we read our Bible, we can understand that. We, we look at men like Abraham who lied, and Jacob who lied, and Moses who, who murdered a man, and David who committed adultery and basically had a man murdered, Peter who denied Christ. We see that these men, these men understood and came to understanding of their sinfulness, repented, and God forgave them. They were restored through repentance. Now, to be clear, these examples are not to minimize sin. It's not to say, well, oh, well, if Abraham did it and he was forgiven, then, then I guess God will forgive me too. It's not to minimize sin, but rather is to maximize God's grace. Is to recognize that, that God is a God of grace, not a God who, who overlooks sin in some um, half-hearted way, but a God who is gracious because of his son. 
And when, when we get the understanding of grace, when we get grace, grace gets us, and we can no longer consider ideas like, what can I get away with? Or, or how close can I get to sin without sinning? Or God will forgive me anyways. Instead, when we get grace, we'll understand it's precisely because God would forgive me that I then don't want to do that, but rather obey. It's not out of duty anymore when we get grace. It's, it's, it's out of, out of, not out of compulsion. It's out of joy when we get grace. We are more than our failures. You are more than your failures. And quite frankly, you're more than your successes too. Christian, you are the beloved of God. That's who you are. That's your identity. That's who God says you are. Robert Gonzalez Jr. says this, past sin and failure do not preclude future faithfulness and success. Past sin and failure do not preclude future faithfulness and success. So here, Jonah failed miserably in chapter one. And now in chapter three, he is recommissioned with a nearly identical message as chapter one. Look at it in verse two. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, call out against it the message that I tell you. Arise, go, call out. Get up, go up, and speak up. That's what the message was. And Jonah responds a little bit differently in verses three and four. Look at it. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Very, very different response than chapter one. According to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Jonah obeyed. God called and Jonah obeyed. Jonah went to that great city and preached the message. It's a message of judgment. We, we do need to remember here that nothing has changed, really. Meaning, Nineveh is still as evil as it was in chapter 1. It's still as wicked. It's still as mean. It's still as brutal. It's still as cruel. It's still as, as evil. It's still as potentially dangerous for Jonah. Nevertheless, he went. Ward Wearsby says this, the will of God will not lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. So it was with Jonah and so it is with you and me. In chapter two, Jonah is vomited out of a fish. Remember this. Uh, and we can believe that this story of a man who was vomited out of a, a, a fish uh, would have made its way to Nineveh. You've got to believe that. that. That's a pretty un, un, unbelievable story. And, and in fact, the Ninevites uh, worshipped a false god. Uh, they were pagans, and they worshipped a false god. Um, and this god, get this, was half fish and half man. Right? So, so can you imagine? You can imagine this prophet having been spat out of a fish, strolling into the city, with a message from God, do you think that might have got their attention? Might have kind of listened a little closer to what this strange man might have said. 
But know this, that that is not why they responded the way they responded. It may have sparked curiosity, as it probably should have. It may have caused them to ask some questions, as you might expect. But their faith came not when they saw the messenger, but when they heard the message. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We must hear that the message of the gospel is to be heard. The message of God is to be heard. And Jonah shared the message. He told the message. And what was the message? Verse 4, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This is a message of judgment. This word overthrown, uh, we also see in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, there are two cities that are overthrown, Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet their response to learning about the coming destruction was was not the same, was it? It was laughter. It was not to to believe the, the message. It was to mock the message. But here, this message, which is apparently only five words in the Hebrew language, uh, is shared. And uh, we, we don't know if it was only five. It's only five are recorded here. So we don't need to make too much of that. But uh, were there things unrecorded in the book of Jonah? You got to imagine there were unrecorded things in the book of Jonah. But the message that he was told was five words. And so the brevity of it makes it all the more miraculous. But the message was judgment is coming. And what will you do about it? Now, preaching judgment is uh, not so politically correct these days, right? Uh, It certainly is not politically correct outside of the church, and even among some Christians, it is uncomfortable to speak about judgment. Uh, We like to hear what we want to hear. That's that's true for all of us. Uh, When 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3 talks about itching ears, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about people wanting to hear what they want to hear. That's true. That's not true just outside the church. That's true inside the church too. People want to hear. We want to hear what we want to hear. And now there, there's a world that will tell you what you want to hear. And in fact, there are systems that, that are created in order for you to hear only what you want to hear. On the internet, there are algorithms that put things into your Facebook feed and your YouTube feed in order to continue for you to hear the things you want to hear. That's called itching ears. That's happening. That's always been the case, but, but it's, it's true even now. So this idea of not wanting to hear about judgment, only hear what I want to hear, that, that's true. But we need a resurgence of the proclamation of coming judgments. Now, some have had a, a, a negative reaction to what was once termed you know, fire and brimstone preaching. Maybe, maybe you grew up on some of that, or maybe you had a, a preacher come into your church and uh, he was pretty... Uh, heavy-handed with uh, the coming judgment. And for some people, they've reacted uh, negatively, negatively to that, so much so that the pendulum has swung away from it to where we only talk about love and we only talk about grace and we, we don't want to talk about the wrath. We don't want to talk about the judgment because that, that's pretty uncomfortable business. But talking about love and grace, who's going to be offended by talking about love and grace? Right? Let, let's, we can talk about that all day. So the message of judgment is not politically correct, uh, and yet it is needed. And if we, Christians, don't share the message of judgments, how do you think the message of judgment will ever be heard? 
That is part of the news that we speak. Those in danger of God's judgment need to be, they must be warned. And maybe there are some here this morning who need to be warned. Maybe there's some here this morning that that may not know that judgment is coming, that the Bible talks about a judgment, that one day we all will be judged. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Acts chapter 17, verse 31, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and just as it was appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgments. Judgment is coming. Judgment is real. One day, we will all stand before God. We will all stand before God. For the Christian, we stand before God, not as our judge, but as our savior. For those who have yet to come to Christ, they stand before God as their judge. Judgment is coming, are you prepared? Let's go back to Jonah. So how would this actually work, right? Jonah goes into Nineveh, a Nineveh uh, that has a a population of somewhere around maybe 600,000 people. It is said to have the circumference of 60 miles, right? So he travels uh, to this great city, and this prophet wanders around this large city, preaching a five-word message of judgment. You can see that this seems like, I'm not sure if this is strategically or practically the best way to go about this. If we saw someone strolling around the city talking about judgment, we would think they were probably crazy, right? That's what we would think today. And yet, would the people listen? Would they believe? Does this even seem like a a great plan? And yet we read verse 5. Look at it with me. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and, and sat in ashes. The Ninevites heard the message and their response was to believe. They accepted the word. They accepted the word as the word of God. They fasted, they put on sackcloth, they sat in ashes. All of these things indicate uh, this, 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 uh, this idea of mourning and this idea of a, of a mass repentance. We see this, this happening in, in Nehemiah and Esther and in the book of Daniel. They took the message seriously. Verse 7, and he, that's the king, issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. So the king makes a proclamation that extends not only to the people, but to the the animals, to the livestock. What's the proclamation? Fasting for everyone and all the animals. To mourn, to repent, to call out to God. As Jonah called out for the belly of the fish, 
as he was perishing. So here the Ninevites are calling out mightily to God in light of their coming judgment. These wicked, brutal, cruel Ninevites heard the word. That is the word of God. And they were moved. They heard the word and they were moved. Yet 40 days. Yet 40 days and you shall be overthrown. And they believed. Which is much more that can be said for them than Jonah. Right? Jonah heard the word of the Lord the first time and he did nothing to obey. He actually rebelled against God. But here we see the power of God on display, the power of God's word on display, and the confidence that we can have in it. The book of Romans says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says that the word of God goes forth, and it does not return void or does not return empty. There's power in the word. That God's word carries authority. It carries power, and it does what God intends for it to do. We can have confidence today in the word of God, in the message of God. So that unsaved friend that you think will never repent, or that family member who is hostile towards Christianity in the Bible, or that one who you think is too far from Christ, there are none who are too far from Christ. There, there are, there's no one who is too far that God cannot reach them. We went through the book of Acts a few months ago, and we saw the story of Saul who became Paul. We saw the story of this, this one who rebelled and opposed Christ and became this great missionary proclaiming Christ. Erwin Lutzer has written, there is more grace in God's heart than sin in our past. There is hope. There is hope for you. There is hope for the Ninevites. The king stated that hope in verse 9. Look at it. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Our one study Bible noted that this is the third instance of a pagan being concerned about others perishing. Right? First we had the sailors, then we had the captain, and now we have this king who are all concerned about other people perishing, but not Jonah. Nevertheless, the king is expressing that their hope, their hope was in the mercy of God. That is, God not giving them what they do deserve. That's mercy. God not giving what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving what you do deserve. Their hope was that, that God would relent, that he wouldn't do what he uh, was going to do, what they deserved for, to be done. As we think about this idea of repentance, we should indicate that the Ninevites do not um, repent to God in, in, a, in a way of conversion here. There's no indication that this repentance of the Ninevites, that they came into a covenant relationship with God. Meaning, we don't see them doing what the pagans did. We don't see them making sacrifices and vows. We don't see them worshiping. Uh, we don't see them calling him Lord. The word Lord, the covenant name of, of God, is not used here. It's the word God, Elohim. It's a more general term. They're, they're not repenting to relationships. That, that's, that's important. It's important to understand what, what is actually happening here. They are repenting in the sense that they're turning from their deeds. They're turning from their evil ways. Now, who knows what, God, what else God did? 
Uh, surely God could have moved in, in some of them, but, but we, we don't see necessarily mass revival here. That's not necessarily what we're seeing. But we can know <clears throat> that they did recognize that they were, uh, they, what they were doing was against God, and that, it, that they were under the judgment of God, and their hope was only in the mercy of God. They needed a rescue. They recognized that they needed a rescue. And in a greater way, uh, we too are in need of a rescue, <clears throat> not just from the judgment of God in this life, but in the life to come. We need a rescue from eternal judgments because of our sinful condition, which separates us from, from a God who is holy. The hope of mankind is the mercy of God. John chapter 3, verse 16, you all know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's mercy, that, that our sin might not lead us to separation from God, but that God might rescue us through his great love. This is the reason Christ came. Salvation is available to all who would repent and turn to the Lord. Verse 10, God responds, Verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them and did not do it. God delivered these people. God was not only merciful to Jonah, but here we see his mercy to the Ninevites as well. God relented. When the people repented, God relented. A city that was on the brink of judgment and God spoke and the people repented. This deliverance, this deliverance from judgment always involves believing and turning, repenting and having faith. Uh, we can know that when a man repents of his sin against God, God relents from the, the wrath against man. Jonah had finally delivered the word of the Lord. He had finally done what, what God had told him to do and then God did everything else. Jonah's, Jonah's role was to speak the words. That God's role was to, to do the deliverance or not. God used a reluctant prophet, an unloving missionary, to share God's message of hope. And if he can use the likes of Jonah, then there is great confidence that he can use me and you. <laughs> In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 say this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is lowly and despised in the world, even those things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You see, it's precisely because we are weak. It's precisely because we are broken that God chooses us so that he gets the glory. We are the means of God's message being proclaimed. Right? That is the means but it's for his glory. Jesus told his disciples, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. We have a responsibility to speak. As Jonah was called to speak, you and I are called to speak. The question is not if you're called. The question is, are you heeding the call? The truth is that God's message, right? God's message is going to be proclaimed. It will be proclaimed. It'll be proclaimed by you or someone else. And if none of us do it, 
The book of Luke tells us that even the rocks will cry out. God's message will be proclaimed. That is not the question here. The question is, we are invited to be part of it. Will we? This is what God wants. Will we do it? This is not a a job just for other people. It's not a job for, quote unquote, the, the professionals. It's not a job for pastors and missionaries only. In fact, when we looked at the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 7 and 8, there's this great message by a man named Stephen who was not a pastor. He was not a missionary. He was a lay guy. And God used him in a mighty way. He he gave his life. You remember the end of that story. He was the first martyr. And from that, the the church spread, which meant the gospel spread as a result of that. We are all called to speak, not just on Sundays, but on weekdays with coworkers, on the sidelines of your kids' little league games, in the afternoons, students after sports practice, or while drinking coffee with, with old friends, coffee drinkers, or, or on the bus ride home, or, or whatever, a hundred other places that you go. God's message that, that we are to proclaim is the gospel. That's what it is. It's the gospel. What's that? That God so loved the world, that his wrath against our sin has been satisfied through the death of Jesus on the cross for those who would repent and believe. That's the good news. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says it this way. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He is the propitiation. That word means he's the satisfaction of God's wrath against our sins. The message of the gospel is that God has sent Jesus to satisfy his wrath against your sin, against my sin. That is good news. Jesus took on himself the death that we deserved and offers to us now life through repentance and faith. So maybe there are some this morning that need to hear this good news. Maybe you need to hear what what was just said. Maybe you need to know that there is a judgment. There's wrath against our sin. There's wrath. The wrath of God is upon upon sinners. And if we die in opposition to Christ, we die as his enemies. Maybe you need to know that judgment is coming. Maybe you need to know that there's good news. There's hope. There's rescue. There's mercy to be had. The question is, will you hear it? Will you believe it? Will you repent and trust Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life? Jesus is the only rescue. He is the only way to escape judgment, but not just to escape judgment in this life, but a way to have eternal life with him in the Father's house. And if you have already come to Christ, if you say, by grace, I have come to faith in Christ then I ask you, who in your life needs to hear this good news? Who in your life right now is under the judgment of God and needs to know the good news, that there is hope, there is a rescue? I would invite you to consider a name, a specific name. You may say, well, there's lots of people. One. And then pray for opportunities to share. Ask ask that God would give you the eyes to to see when those opportunities come and the wisdom to know how to engage, the boldness and the courage to actually speak the words, to actually say the words that need to be said. We thank God that he gives us second chances. Jonah in chapter 3 obeyed. 
He did what he was supposed to do. Question for us is, when our opportunity comes, when our second chance or third chance or fourth chance comes, will we be ready to obey? Will we be ready to hear the word of the Lord? If you're here today, you need to hear the word of the Lord again. Hear it now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks today for the grace of God that has been shown to us through your son, Jesus. God, in response to that, may we be, may we be ready to, to tell the good news. Judgment is coming, but there is hope. Thank you for the hope. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh God, you are-